0: Good morning, church. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. Remember, I come from New Life Kids, okay? So I like a bit more energy and aliveness, and that's not a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's so exciting to be able to be here and to to share. You know, we're, we're taking a bit of a break from the Genesis series and we're going to be moving into the I Am series. So for the next seven weeks, you know, as we start our Easter series, we're going to be going through all the seven statements of I am, okay? Um, You know, what does I am mean, okay? It's not I am Edwin or, or whatever it is, but what does I am mean? You know, for a Jewish believer in Jesus' time, the statement I am was loaded, loaded with meaning, okay? It is a phrase that God used when he asks Moses to go and rescue the Israelites from Egypt. And Moses asks, who shall I say is sending me? You know, I am equals Yahweh, which equals God. So it's basically like saying, I am God. I am Yahweh, the God that created the heavens and the earth. Uh, the God that was present with Moses and the Israelites on the Red Sea, the God that promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations, the revered, eternal, unchanging God, divine God. So when Jesus uses this I am, and you'll hear this again in the next seven weeks, this I am, in his statements in John, he's saying something very specific about who he is, Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. So today we start off with "I am the bread of life." But before I start, why don't we pray? Father God, um, as we you know start our our Easter series on on "I am," Father, I pray, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us this morning, and Father God, that um, yeah, we can just understand this unchanging divine God that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, God just guide us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so thank you Jen for for reading that. Um, I know it's quite long, it was actually 60, you know, verses, so it's very, very long. Um, So rather than going through every verse, I thought I'd bring back a bit of New Life Kids back to main church to make you guys feel young again or old, or whatever you want to say, Um, and to help you understand what I am the bread of life is. So if you play the video, that'd be great.
1: The crowds earnestly looked for Jesus and finally found him on the other side of the Sea of Capernaum. Just the day before, Jesus had miraculously fed all of them with only a couple loaves of bread and some fish, and while it had satisfied them at the time, they returned to him hungry. But this is why they sought Jesus so desperately, not for who he was, but because he had amazed them at what he had done. The miracle reminded them of the days of Moses, when the nation of Israel was nourished daily with bread from heaven. Perhaps Jesus, like Moses, could usher in a new age for their people. Jesus spoke to the crowd, You worked so hard to find me, but only so you could ask me for bread that satisfies a short while. Why aren't you looking for the bread that will satisfy you forever? that satisfies forever many in the crowd began to wonder how they could get this miraculous bread from God they asked Jesus what works of God must we do in order to get this bread Jesus replied I am sent from God believe in me but the crowd searched for a sign and questioned Jesus yes you multiplied bread and fed thousands But Moses brought down bread from heaven and fed millions. What great work will you do that will demonstrate that you are greater than Moses? Jesus said, You must hear me and understand this. Moses did not give you the manna, my Father gave it to you. And now he has sent to you the bread of life that I speak of. The expressions on the faces that looked back at him were mixed some skeptical, some hopeful, and others simply eager to hear as they said, please give us this bread always. The crowd waited intently for his answer. Then Jesus announced, I am that bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst again. He spoke of his body as bread, And his blood as wine the suggestion of sacrifice disturbed and confused numbers of people who would not receive his words in fact many who had been following jesus walked away from him on that very day jesus turned to the apostles and asked will you leave me as well peter spoke up to the others lord where else would we go you alone have the words of eternal life
0: Okay, so that's the message today. I'm going to leave now, and you know what everything's all about. (laughs) I will just recap this. This Again, it's quite long. And, you know, first we start off with the feeding of the 5,000. If you're writing in notes, that's John 6, 1 to 15. So let's call this part the bread part, the food part, okay? You know, a large crowd was already gathering after previously performing signs of healing the sick. And, you know, Jesus tests Philip about how to feed all of these people. How, how are we going to feed all these people? And he t- is a test because the disciples, think about back in John 2, he'd already performed the miracle of turning water into wine. So they already know others' oh, power, and yet this is something not quite right. So because of this amazing miracle, the crowds called him a prophet with the intention of making him king. Now, we all know that Jesus was much more than a prophet. So obviously, they didn't understand the meaning of the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't understand what the sign of the miracle actually meant. You know, the crowd was so focused on free food, on physical food. And imagine, how many of you guys love Korean barbecue? Maybe you haven't had breakfast, I'm sorry. But how many of you like Korean barbecue here? Quite a lot. Cool. So imagine you just had an endless supply of this Korean barbecue. Like, do you know when you ever go to Korean barbecue and you're like, I want more meat, you know? Like, it's just not enough. Like, it's beautiful, but I want, like, three or four times more of it. And, you know, just imagine an endless buffet of this Korean barbecue or an endless supply of ice cream that just magically reappears again and again. And it's so easy for us to focus on this actual food, right? This actual bread than the miracle itself, isn't it? We focus on, yeah, we love this food, but we forget about the miracle itself. So that's what's happening here. So more on that later, but then we then have Jesus walking on water again in John 6, 16, 2, 24. Oh no, this is happening again. (laughs) Oh, come on. Can you get my keyboard? If you don't know, I used to be an IT person, so I'm an early adopter, so that's the problem when you install beta Windows 11 on your computer and do stuff like this, but anyway, ignore me. (laughs) You don't want to ignore me, okay, fine. Let's do this again, hey? I'm so sorry, guys. Okay, so let's call this the bread part. you love technology that it fails when you need it to work just restart my laptop I don't have time to restart do I <laughs> but if I don't restart I'll just be sitting here and hire online people yes see so you get understand what technology is all about um can I just give a quick shout out to the media team as well, because I know sometimes there's these things that happen behind the scenes and everything, or like me right now, where things just don't quite work out. Um, yes, I'm going to restart my Microsoft Word. So, how are you guys? Are you guys good? <laughs> Do you guys understand so far? You're not falling asleep? Okay. All right. So, Jesus walking in water. <laughs> John 6, 16 to 24. You know, the crowds that were gathering, you know, they were getting rowdy. So Jesus went up to the mountain and asked the disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee in a boat. So as you know the story, the waters grew rough and Jesus appears from the waters. Then in verse 20, it says, it is I, do not be afraid. In the amplified version of the Bible, it actually says, fear not. I am. Remember at the start, I said, what does I am mean? It's God, it's Yahweh. So again, you have Jesus trying to give the disciples a clue, a hint. There's more evidence of who he is, but like any other human being, they think, oh, yeah, there's Jesus. Okay, come on the boat. They didn't think anything about what this I am meant. And so now we come to Jesus, the bread of life. This is the main portion of this message today. From John 6, 25 to 50. So let's call the before it was the bread part. This is now the life part. So when we go to verse 25 to 34, they refer to him as rabbi. So still, very, very earthly. They don't realize who he is. Then Jesus tries to explain to them, you're just following me just to have more of that food, more of that Korean barbecue, just more of that. You know, verse 27, work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of of man will give you. And how do they respond in verse 28? They say, "What must we do? What what sorry, what must we do to do the works God requires?" So they're still they're focusing on the doing. They're focusing on the day to day. They're focusing on the physical. What needs to happen right now? They don't understand and then in verse 21, Jesus then says, believe in the one he has sent. So basically, he's saying, have faith. Believe in him. Have faith. It's so easy to perform another miracle. Okay, here, this is who I am. But he says, believe in me. Have faith. Believe in him. That they wanted another miracle, a sign to believe in him. So the crowd is like, nope. You know, more signs. And ironically, they give the example of God giving them manna from heaven You know, just like when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, in verse 31. Ironic, because Jesus was feeding the 5,000 in the same way, um, and both point to him being eternal food from heaven. You know, the manna from heaven, the food um, that Moses, in Moses' time, so he's trying to be that similar sort of story, and they still didn't get it. So, they haven't put two and two together. So, Jesus says, again... In verse 32 to 33, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It's not Moses, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So not Moses, not ancestors, but my Father, the bread of God, the bread from heaven. So how do the crowd respond? Okay, oh yeah, yeah, cool, cool. We, we want this bread. We, we, we want this cream buffer. We want more of this. So they're still focusing on the bread. They still don't quite get it. I mean, to be fair, they're like, okay, we, we want in, but what, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to, to have more? They're still interested in the bread from feeding the 5,000. They're so fixated on the physical. So now we come to the climax, what Jesus is trying to say in verse 35 to forty. I'm going to read this whole part here, okay? 35 to 40. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. and I, I will raise them up at that last day. So he is focusing on the spirit, spiritual bread of life, not the physical, not the Korean buffet, but the spiritual bread of life. He's saying that I am all you need. That's all you need. I will never leave you. I will give you eternal life. You will be forever saved. And it's the spirit that gives life, the flesh, the bread. There's no benefit there. It's more than just physical. It's more than just the day-to-day life. So what do they do? they grumbled, they complained about the bread coming from heaven, but the bread from heaven pointed to a truer bread. But yet again, they're still focused on the physical. They're they're thinking, okay, but you know, Jesus, you you know, this Jesus was Joseph's son, not as the son of God. So they still don't really understand. So we move on to verse 43 to 51. So Jesus tries to be as clear as possible because they still don't quite get it. Verse 45 it says, Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Verse 48 I am the bread of life. It's me. It's me, not something else. It's me. Verse 51 I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Again, like manna from heaven, but one that satisfies forever satisfies forever they will not die that it's forever okay so this is the I am the bread of life it's me that you need not the physical but the spiritual there's more to life than this so then towards the end of John chapter 6 verse 52 the, the you know the crowd begin arguing very very sharply you know fighting with one another disagreeing the Israelites can't really accept what Jesus is saying, that he is the real bread. It was very, very, you know, um, just hard to understand back then. so revolutionary. If we look for, spoiler for John 8, 58, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. You know, he was before Abraham, the father of the nations. So you also have God saying to Moses, I am who I am. So revered was the name I am that the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Okay, so that's how, you know, revered that I am. That's why I wanted to mention at the start, because this is why it was so hard for them to understand. Jesus, Joseph's son, I am God. What What's going on? This everlasting, eternal life I can get? Because for them, it was a claim that Jesus was equal, equal to God, and it was a blasphemy in their eyes. Okay, so verse 53 to 59, Jesus talks about, eating the flesh and blood of the Son of Man. Sounds very gross, right? Actually, literally eating flesh. No, it's not about cannibalism here. I don't want you going and eating someone else and drinking their blood, okay, please. But about its truest substance. Sustenance, sustenance, sorry, different word. Just as body is dead without food, the spirit is dead without Jesus. That no matter what you do on earth, There will be no eternal life without him. You know, again, he even uses the example of manna from God again. You know, his ancestors died, but this bread of life, you will live forever. And he's highlighting the difference between the physical and the spiritual sustenance, that this is how you have eternal life. This is how you live your life. Not to just be stuck on the day-to-day, but understand that there is more to life than this. And then there's the blood. I mean, we all take communion once a month. We understand the significance of that, I hope. But you know, it's hinting the sacrifice needed for this bread of life. So there was a need for a hundred percent commitment. Only believing in Jesus. That was the call here. You know, remember it was about the spirit that gives life. The flesh provides no benefit, like I said before. Jesus says, the words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. So it's not just coming to church physically and then leaving and meeting friends and high, but there's more to life than just the day-to-day. And then we end in verse 60 to 70. You know, arguing amongst his followers, they just can't accept what Jesus taught. You know, takes spiritual ears to understand what he's saying. And taking the next step. So it's too hard. They just, they just don't get it. They just don't get it at all. So many of his followers, remember from the feeding of 5,000, so many people are following. Many of them turn away. Not the actual 12 disciples at this stage, but Jesus points out one, that Judas, that will betray him. So that's the whole of John chapter 6 in a roughly about 15 minutes. In summary, if I had to summarize all of this, is that believing in Jesus is hard. Truly following Him is even harder. You know, I, for those that, you know, accepted Christ when you were younger, or, or maybe you're new to this, we might think this is really easy. It's, it's great to be able to have this God to, to praise, and, but following Him truly is really hard. Because surrendering control and trusting Him goes against our fleshly nature. It's like trusting in in something else, someone else, to take control of our lives. How many of you guys like to be in control of your situations? Yeah? Okay, well, if some of you don't, then cool. Um, But I I like to be in control. I want to know what's happening tomorrow. I want to know what's happening next week. I want to know where my food's coming from or whatever it is, okay? I want to be in control. So it's hard. It's hard when we have to surrender. You know, our our desire to have things our way, you know, to decide how our lives are going to go. No one's going to tell me what to do. I know what I want. So the Jews went from following Jesus, seeking him, to arguing, to complaining, and then finally deserting him. You know, the Jews learned important truths about who Jesus really was. You know, we know later his his disciples even desert him, even his closest twelve found at heart. So you probably think, what hope do we have, right? You know, they were the ones that ate with him, walked with him, journeyed with him. But this passage helps us to understand the spiritual walls preventing us from properly seeking God. Helps us to understand the spiritual walls preventing us from properly seeking God. Let's be honest, you know, Jesus often doesn't meet our needs in the way that we expect, right? For everything to fit in my little box, but it's sometimes completely the other way around, right? We don't expect. You know, manna satisfied the physical needs of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, but not forever, because they all eventually died. But some who followed Jesus... You know, in fact, many of the tall disciples, they did suffer physically. You know, it wasn't an easy journey to truly follow Jesus. So instead of focusing on the physical in our life, you know, our comforts, we need to look at this spiritual bread. This spiritual bread. We need to understand what this spiritual bread is. Because it's Christ satisfies our spiritual needs forever. You know, it's this spiritual bread that is able to give us eternal life. It's our meaningful life. How many times have you thought, what am I doing in my life? What, what is this whole world? What, what am I going to do when I die? This whole thing, what-, what is the whole point of me living? What is the whole point of me coming to church day after day, mucking around, whatever it is, but understanding what is my life here for? Jesus is the one that satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness. He is our bread. Of life. Jesus promises us that he not only sustains us, he fulfills us. He fills that void, that gap, when we try to fill it with so many other things. He came to give us life to the full. So what does it look like for Jesus to satisfy our hunger? Okay, what, What's this spiritual bread? What does it mean? Firstly, it's about our choices, the choices that we make. You know, it's so easy for us to keep feeding on the things in the world, but hopefully, a lot of you know that it just doesn't fulfill. You can have everything, you can have the whole world, and still it just doesn't doesn't fill up. And we're talking about John Six as a pastoral team, and the good example was junk food. (laughs) You know, how many of you guys had macas this morning? No. Oh, wow! Very healthy people. That's that's good. I Okay, how many of you didn't have breakfast at all then? Okay, there you go. That's probably why, Otherwise, you'd be having Maccas right now. Um, you know, junk food, you know, sure it can feed us and satisfy us, but you always know how yucky it feels at the end of it. You feel gross, you feel oily, like, oh, that was good, but oh, I, sh- I won't do that again. You crave veggies or whatever it is. Like, you just know. It just doesn't fulfill properly. Not like Korean barbecue, but anyway, that's, that's another story altogether. Um, you know, it's like Alpha, for example. You know, next week's topic is, is there more to life than this? Is there? Come to Alpha next week. That's a nice plug. Um, we strive really hard for the things in this world. But what does God really ask of us? You know, we try to do better at X, Y, Z. We try to fill that void with something but what does God ask for us you know we all have a hunger but for what think about your life right now what are you hungry for not again the physical food but in your life what are you hungry for you, know, you go to school you go to uni you learn stuff then you go to work and then you earn stuff you get married you get a house have kids you buy stuff You retire, wait for your kids to get married, and then enjoy stuff. And then what? And then what? What am I going to do with my life? Go on holiday, go enjoy, or whatever. There's just stuff and stuff, physical stuff, physical bread. But what is there? There's more to life than this. And it's very easy for us to forget what is going on in the world and what we're called to do. We can get so carried away with the now, with our careers, with whatever is going online and social media and all these things. It's very easy for us to forget what is going on in the world and what we're called to do. You know, Unless you are truly, truly immersed in God, it's really easy to run away from life. It's really easy to run away from God, to not be 100% committed. And it's hard not to desert Jesus unless you are maintaining a connection with Him. That's the key that connection, that time that we have with God. We're not just attending church because that's what we do, our parents tell us, or what we do week in, week out. It's having that intimate connection with God. You know, maybe here's an example this intimate connection I'm talking about. Let's talk about phones. A good example is the phones that we have, whether it's in your pocket, whether it's in your hand right now, whether it's distracting you, I don't know, okay? How many of you guys use your phone? So use the Bible on your phone. Put your hand up. A lot of you guys, all right? So I'm guilty of it. I use everything on my phone. Because I'm IT, everything goes wrong, but I I lose paper all the time. So that's why I use um, my phone for my Bible. So let's say you have the Bible, you're doing your divas in the morning and suddenly, or you're in church, you're reading the scripture passage today, or maybe you're you're going through the Bible right now as I'm preaching, and then a notification pops up. Hmm. And then you go, oh, no, I have to answer that. Okay, let's just do, do that. And then you start to get distracted. And then maybe you remember, oh, because of that message, I have to respond to this person's message. Oh, I remember I need to book lunch. Oh, I needed to buy this. Oh, there's something that came out that I really, really wanted. Oh, no, hang on. There's this selfie I want to take with my friend. Oh, there's this baby that's cute. Or, or whatever it is, we start to get distracted because we don't have this intimate relationship with the Bible, with God. Maybe a recent memory, like in Facebook, pops up on your phone or Google photos or whatever it is. You're like, oh, that's cute. And then we forget about what we were doing in the first place. It's so easy to get distracted in our spiritual walk. Again, following Jesus is not easy, but maintaining and having that intimate connection with God is key. Um, If I could ask the music team to come up, that would be great. Um, I want to share a, a bit about you know our journey as a family, and um, you've probably heard Beck preach about this before, and um, you know about us, our house journey, us building our house. I can finally say, and I'm extremely happy and joyous to tell you this, we have finally moved in. Um, we've been there for four weeks. It's beautiful. <laughs> I have. Vivid, bad memories of our old house, of a two-bedroom house in lockdown, having the kids this side, me on this side, the younger kids in the middle. Like It was just mayhem to have space to bow, to just breathe. Um, Gross story is a few weeks ago, I wasn't here because the whole family got gastro. But it was nice to have the space because we could quarantine everyone rather than everyone getting sick all in one hit. Um, So that was nice. But to tell you this journey that we've gone through, was a seven-year journey, seven years of building a house. Like, you, I don't know if some of you guys know, it doesn't take seven years to build a house, maybe one or two, maybe three if you're really unlucky, but seven, that's unheard of. You know, living in a two-bedroom house with four kids on Springvale Road to a comfortable house where we're not tripping over one another, I mean, it was kind of funny. We are in the kitchen, and we have a dining table. We used to have a dining table, and you literally be able to, like, grab forks and spoons like that. You'd be able to grab a pot or a bowl from there. You didn't have to move. Now I have to exercise and move around and go upstairs. But I'm grateful, okay? I'm grateful. Um, but it's remembering the journey that God has brought us through, the seven years. Why? Why this journey? Why couldn't it be easy? Why did He have to stretch us so far financially and time-wise? Why couldn't it be before COVID? You know, I've heard some people, they moved house just before COVID started. and It was great. That wasn't us. We're the complete opposite. You know, it was just tough. Why did we have to go through this journey? But as we stayed, as we committed, as we lived our lives for Him as best as we could, we remembered this journey that God brought us through. The whole point of this house that we built was to have life group for meetings, for friends. We did everything. We designed this house so that it can be a place that honours God but it's so easy for me to to then be distracted by the things of the world with this house. Oh, okay, this house is pretty. I want to do a little bit there. I want to do a little bit there. I want to do, and I'm not saying don't decorate your house and make it pretty and whatnot, but you can so get carried away with things like your phone here. You can so get carried away when all you need to do is read scripture, do your devos, but you get distracted by all these notifications and things. Spiritual life. Bread, spiritual bread, physical bread, the day-to-day, the things that are eternal. These are the things that are important in our life. let's not be distracted by the things of this world. You know, it's so easy for us to keep feeding again on the things of this world, but it just does not fulfill. I don't know if you've tried, or maybe you're not at that stage yet, but there comes a point in your life I know for me, it was in high school. I went to a youth camp, and I was like, there's, "There's more to life than just school. There's more to life than than this. Like, what what is my life? What is the meaning of me being here? Am I just here to hang out with my friends? Am I just here to go to church because my parents tell me to? Am I here just to to rock up on a Sunday and not, you know, when all my other friends, I went to a Catholic school, so they did other things on a Sunday. Why do I have to sacrifice my time here at church? But there's more to life." more to life only he can fulfill us only he can fulfill us everything else in our life is temporary everything else don't get me wrong i'm i still have that struggle today to being distracted and all of this and you know, i don't get distracted by the shiny things in front of you and miss but miss the true son the one that is here to save you, the one that is here to keep you from falling, the one that is here to show you the way. You know, don't get sidetracked by the yummy things in this world, but miss the true food that gives eternal life. Remember, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I want everyone just to close your eyes for a minute and just bow your heads. And I want you to think about what it means for Him to be the bread of life. I want you to have a think about your own life. Think about what's going on right now. What distractions are there for you? Maybe there are areas in your life you're thinking, yeah, there is more to life than this. I want to know more. Maybe something's just not quite right. And is it because I'm just taking control of the situation so much that I'm not letting God into my life? just doesn't fulfill. Just have a think. Analyze your life right now. What's your life? Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. For my Father as well said, everyone who looks in the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So now that you've analysed your life, I want you just to give whatever it is that you need to God right. Maybe it is a career that you've been toiling over and over and you're thinking, what, what's more to life than this? God, what do you want me to do with my life? Maybe it's to do with school. You're uncertain about your life right now, your friends or all the choices that you're making. Is there something that you need to, to bring to God now? Maybe in the same boat as me, you're building a house or you're making big life decisions and and there's a lot of distractions in the world for you and you need to be able to refocus and focus on that scorcher bed. We need to spend that time with God. God we know that believing you is is difficult and truly following you is is even harder father God but God you are the one that truly fulfills no Korean buffet no Maccas no whatever it is can fulfill only you can father in the moments where we, we have no answers in the moments where we're lost in the moments where just life is just too difficult and we question why God it is only you that I can fulfill. And I just pray, God, you hear these prayers. You hear the cries of their hearts, Father God. And I pray in Jesus' name that they will to take that step of faith in believing and knowing life may still be difficult, but it is you that truly fulfills in that workplace, in that school, in that big decision, in whatever it is, Father God, that it is you that is able to keep them from falling. And I just pray, God, that as we come to church every Sunday, Father God, that is a moment that we can reflect on you it's not just because our parents tell us or because it's our routine but it's a moment that we can have a hundred percent commitment to you father God. no distractions nothing no notifications no whatever it is but to rediscover that intimate relationship that we once had or we have with you father god So I pray, Father, as we continue in worship, as we continue in service, Father, that this is a moment that we can have with you in God, that is only that you can fulfill, that you are the bread of life. It is only you that can satisfy. It is only you that is able to keep us from falling. It is only you that is able to save us, Father. In Jesus' name.